This is a special edition of Late Night Health. I'm Mark Allen. We're going to take a look at the health of your cell phones. Uh, our guest is Brian Sarton. He is the Executive Director, Global Security Services for Verizon. Brian, thanks for spending some time with us. Are our cell phones healthy? Can they be uh, attacked by viruses and other insidious uh, things that uh, can uh, suck out our information uh, that we really don't want other people to have? Well, yeah, um, I'm afraid that that is the case. Uh, It is an incredible amount of functionality that comes with mobility today, functionality and applications and platforms, things that enable productivity and profitability in the workplace. That said, all the configurability and the moving parts can bring with it vulnerability if it's not managed and implemented properly. And uh, that vulnerability, I'm afraid, is increasingly exploited today. And we see that in the, uh, the Mobile Security Index, the third publication of that that we released this past week. Some alarming stats about the increasing frequency arc of uh, mobile and wireless uh, cybersecurity attacks, but also uh, increasing stats on the impact magnitude to the enterprise and the brand that those attacks are having. I travel quite a bit, and my wife recently read an article about charging your phone at the airport, not to do it, or to be very careful when you do it. Can you talk about that? Well, yeah, absolutely. I I think the the concern there probably stems from uh, Wi-Fi hotspots and perceived risk around both rogue Uh, but also insecure Wi-Fi hotspots. And I can tell you that there's an element of risk there. About 20% of the organizations in our study cite that they suffered a a mobile compromise directly stemming from the usage of rogue or insecure Wi-Fi hotspots, especially in public places, airports, you know, the mall, uh, the coffee shop or restaurant down the street. Um, But importantly, that 20%, although it's a large number of the land, uh, percentage of the landscape, uh, it's a it's a number that hasn't necessarily increased. Um, there are other pockets where we're seeing greater risk: Internet of Things and internet connected devices, uh, uh, IoT devices, but especially spear phishing attacks, attacks against company executives that compromise, say, usernames and passwords, set the stage for identity fraud and theft on the personal side, but even unauthorized access and data breaches on the enterprise side. Those are even more prevalent. Wow. Taking a look at at just the average person and maybe small businesses, what is the number one thing that we should do to protect our data, our information that we have from what I'm calling as I'm calling viruses and all these uh, uh, kind of healthy attack, uh, unhealthy attacks on on us through our mobile devices? Well, you know, we say, okay, 40% of, uh, of, of, of entities recognize they've suffered a mobile security breach in just the last year. That's a huge increase. You know, so many of those are small to mid-sized businesses, yet 90% of small to mid-sized businesses also recognize while they see the threat increasing, they also see that their enterprise lacks the most basic fundamental defenses against those mobile security attacks. The, the number one by far and away and the greatest value is, uh, is around smart authentication, especially usernames and passwords. On the personal side, it's unfortunately so common that um, so, so many people use the same username and password, not only for their handset, but for their online mail account, their social media, their online banking. And they almost never change that password unless they're forced to. 
and sadly, it's often the same password on their enterprise productivity applications, remote access, the cloud, uh, and what have you. So that, that right there is creating huge vulnerability both at the personal level but uh, setting the stage for data breaches on the enterprise level. And there's a, an important number two, three, and four behind that, encryption, containerization, and restricted downloads. So I should change my password on a regular basis, like once a month, every two weeks? What? Uh, I, I think at a minimum, uh, uh, the data shows that a minimum every 60 days is uh, smart security hygiene. And those that are a little bit more pedantic about uh, password management every 30 days or more frequently than that certainly doesn't hurt. But a minimum every 60 days is where you want to start. There's a, a not a new thing, but the last couple of years you can sign into Apple or 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 uh, Microsoft or anybody, and they have a two uh, two two way security procedure. Once you log in, they send you another password. Is that something that we should turn on and use, or is that just overkill? Yeah. Well, that, that is a, a good example of multi-factor or two-factor authentication. And, uh, you know, incredibly, as you, you get away from the mobile spectrum and you look at uh, traditional, let's say, uh, uh, enterprise data breaches, you know, we, we find in other publications like our data breach investigations report that uh, about four out of five of those intrusions uh, involve the exploitation of stolen, weak, default, or easily guessable credentials, back to that username and password thing, but most of those happen through uh, the victim's remote access systems. And uh, in, in other words, what you say is that, wow, incredibly, four out of five of all real-world data breaches, the threat could be mitigated with two-factor authentication, like that example you just described. It's impactful. Wow. But it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> well, it is a pain in the butt. But you think about uh, biometrics, um, you know, thumbprints, iris scan, facial recognition. This stuff has progressed so far that it's making the, you know, fumbly maintaining of, of different usernames and passwords and complex passwords and things like that. It's making all that stuff easier. Long story short, it's making it easier to apply more than one factor for authentication, more than just a username and password combination. That stuff's getting far easier, not only for the consumer, but for the enterprise um, to apply and manage in mass across their companies uh, in user base. That's important. Not to mention, there's a ton of apps out there, you know, little uh, little um, uh, locker type apps that make it easier on the handsets these days and, and uh, tablets to, to, to keep track of those usernames and passwords in a way that, um, let's say, protects them from leaking out. You mentioned a facial recognition. Of course, I work in radio primarily, and uh, I don't have, I have a face for radio, but not for facial recognition. <laughs> Uh, in our remaining time together, thank you. Uh, in our remaining time together, uh, 5G is coming. Whether people believe it, it's safe or not, it is coming, and it's coming rapidly. All the major carriers are talking about their 5G being good, better, and all this. Does 5G offer more security than the 4G that we have now? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and that's the funny thing about 5G is, you know, right now today, I think most people hear it and they say, well, it's it's just a bit faster than 4G. And that's all it is. But that's, you know, a bigger, faster pipes is not it. Certainly um, being bigger, faster pipes, that side of it is going to afford more functionality, 
more configurability, uh, more at the handset level. And that's going to continue to push the handset away from what it is now, which is more similar in paradigm to the laptop or desktop in the enterprise. It, it'll make it from a configurability standpoint more like the enterprise server. And that's, that's important. It'll, it'll drive more cloud adoption. But as that, uh, as that happens, you know, it's important to consider, though, that there are security advantages, like you point out. You've got in 5G the ability to more gracefully and efficiently fuse in encryption, authentication, and smoother routing. And it sets the stage, and we're seeing it in pilot form in large enterprises and government agencies today. Um, piloting what's possible with 5G is really sort of a, a far simpler, more graceful, more efficient network of the future that gets away from a lot of the fumbly layers of network segmentation and devices and routers and switches and hubs that comprise today's network. And that 5G-powered network of the future, that's looking pretty good from here. And will they also uh, make phone calls easier? In other words, less dropout? That's not necessary. I, I, uh, you you <laughs> I think that comes with a turf. Got it. Hey, Brian, thank you very much. Brian Sarton, Executive Director of Global Security Services for Verizon, here on Late Night Health. I'm Mark Allen. We'll see you next time.